And now we will have a reading of God's Word. Love it. If you open your Bibles to uh, Exodus 19 or your bulletins, and um, I suggest perhaps, unless you're, you're strong, uh, you may sit down. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It, it, is a, it is of pivotal importance and acts as a preface and a, a preamble to the law, the Ten Commandments, and the next uh, chapter is following the moral law. But uh, again, uh, I, 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 I have to emphasize again and again the importance of the, of the next couple of chapters in this Bible uh, because the Christian world is very confused as to how we are to please God as Christians and the relevance of, of the Ten Commandments as delivered here to Israel. So let me read, uh, beginning with uh, the first verse of chapter 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim, and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments, and he said to the people, Be ready on the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trump grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. 
the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, and to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. As far as reading in God's holy word, let's pray. Uh, Lord, these events seem to be far away and uh, long ago, but we pray that in your spirit we may be carried there to see uh, something of the glory of the Lord, of his revelation, the holiness of the Lord, and uh, the, the danger uh, for sinners to presume upon encroaching anywhere near the Lord. But we thank you also, Lord, for the promise of a mediator, uh, wherein you do visit meaning, us, meaning to do well for us, speaking to us with great and precious promises and promising to be our God and to lead us to the land promised to the forefathers. Help us in all these matters to understand this text well and help it to benefit us. And may we, Lord, reverence you for all that you are and help us, Lord, to keep the teaching of Scripture and not manufacture any lesser God or any other God. But help us, Lord, to know you as you wish for us, want us for us, command us to know you in these pages. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The teaching here is as follows. Jehovah graciously covenants with his nation Israel by means of his appointed mediator. In his covenant, Jehovah promises continued help to his redeemed people. They are to become his own unique nation of priests, but they are first to sanctify themselves uh, and to sanctify Jehovah as the Holy One in their midst. Now, this, again, our reminder is a gracious covenant. Um, he, the Lord, has proven himself to be a great and wonderful help to Israel in uh, hearing their cries, uh, visiting them in Egypt, delivering them from bondage, and granting them the Passover lamb, that emblem of, of that blood uh, by which uh, God oversees sin, uh, and uh, protecting them from enemies, from the armies of Pharaoh, and from natu natural calamities of, of, uh, of thirst and, uh, and all, all manner of, of dangers with Amalek and at war. The Lord has already shown his people that he is a God who is there for their good. And, and, and that, that needs to be said uh, because what, when he descends here, we're going to see a picture of God, a theophany that is, that is terrifying. It's, it's terror. It's the old English word. It's terrible it, because it inspires terror. Uh, nevertheless, uh, what the Lord wants to teach us through there is that he is holy. The, nation of, the notion of holiness, as I commented very briefly on the third commandment, is is alien and more and more alien to secular people 
it may have become alien <laughs> to Israel in their time in, in such a worldly place as Egypt. Uh, the Lord will teach Israel what holiness means. Uh, I don't think any dictionary, uh, uh, d- a dictionary definition is going to do as well as ourselves spending time at Mount Sinai, spending time here at the, uh, with the Lord at the base of the mountain and uh, examining all that is here for us to know, to know Jehovah, who is holy. The first uh, point I would say in this sermon is as follows, that Jehovah uh, offers his covenant, and I say offers it. Of course, he sovereignly imposes it, but in saying, I am the Lord thy God, he, he, he offers himself as a God to anyone who uh, would receive him as the Lord. So in, in a sense, the law has a, a gracious aspect uh, of a promise there and an invitation. But so Jehovah offers his covenant of grace to his people uh, as a nation. We're going to look very uh, very quickly through the features of this covenant because I know many of you have read books on this subject. If this is new to you, this is a a good introductory material, but it's going to be very fast. Uh, These are the features of the covenant that Jehovah offers, and they're very gracious and he offers them to his people now, not as a, a tribe and not as a person, uh, as an Abraham and Israel, uh, but now as a nation. That's the distinction. Um, Jehovah offers this covenant as uh, through the means of a mediator. And the mediator, uh, go between as he goes up and down the mountain, back and forth, carrying the words of God, carrying the intentions of the people back to the Lord. And uh, that is uh, Moses. Now, uh, <clears throat> we say mediator because he's a go-between. But as such, he is a, a typical mediator. That is to say, he is showing us something of the mediation of what Christ uh, will do. And I'll make, an, I'll make application of that point later. Moses uh, alone, of all the people, uh, Moses alone right now is meeting with God, as he has done since uh, Exodus chapter 3. Moses alone spoke God's words to his people. He's doing the talking now instead of Aaron for some reason. Maybe he learned how to talk. I don't know what happened there. But uh, Israel encamped below. You just see uh, the multitudes, uh, over two million people. They're encamped by tribes, all in formation perhaps. And Moses goes up to Jehovah God in the mountain, and he is a mediator. So one feature of a covenant of grace, and all covenants of grace have this feature of a mediator. All covenants of works, which rely on uh, an individual and his performance, and through that performance, uh, uh, meriting God's favor, all of the covenants uh, that feature works have no mediators. So the covenant of work had no mediator. Adam sinned, he fell, covenant was broken. Uh, But that is not the case with us. Uh, Under the covenant of grace, when we sin, yeah, uh, it's bad. But our mediator... uh, prompts us in the spirit, and uh, we confess our sin, and we are given grace, and so we repent, and we turn to God, and so it's the help of that mediator, and his pleading before Jehovah, and uh, always asking the Lord that he forgive us our sins, and to protect us from the temptations, and all of that. That's why we succeed under the mediatorship of Christ. But all covenants of uh, grace have a mediator. Moses is a type of mediator. Second feature is that it is gracious and that Jehovah uh, Jehovah initiates the covenant, not man. Now, the covenant of works was also initiated by Jehovah, 
but uh, the covenant of grace uh, needs much more for Jehovah to initiate it because we would be clueless as to how to uh, advance upon Jehovah and set forth terms. I, you know, you've heard people, perhaps stories, perhaps in the movies, uh, people bargaining with God, uh, saying, "Lord, if you'll help me, I will do this and that." You know, uh, you know, the Lord is very gracious and. Uh, he hears a lot of things, uh, uh, very inexpert, very, very untrained prayers. He may help, but he's under no obligation to help as he, as he is when he initiates a covenant and cuts a covenant with us. And so therefore, when we remind him of his covenant, the Lord, he is bound to help. He binds himself to us as a husband binds himself to his wife by marriage. So Jehovah greatly initiates uh, the covenant, not not Israel, not man, not Moses. Jehovah was the one who heard the cries of the children of Israel in, uh, in Egypt. And for the sake of his promises to Abraham, and because he's, he prophesied that the, the, Lord, uh, the Lord prophesied to Abraham that his people would be there some 400 years, uh, the promise to Abraham and his offering, he will hear the cry and he will go down. He's bound himself to the covenant through Abraham. And so he is also now uh, going to enlarge upon Abraham's covenant and bring the whole nation of his offspring into the covenant of grace. Jehovah then came, uh, comes down from heaven, and uh, hearing the cry, he says, I will go down, and uh, I, I will see. <laughs> and that, of course, uh, is anthropomorphic language, meaning that the Lord is, is speaking to us as in human terms, as we would check out a situation. Let me just check out what's happening down the street. I heard a noise. I think there's another car wreck over here uh, on Overbrook. That's that's what is meant. He will he will check things out in his visit, uh, and so Jehovah comes down from heaven uh, to the top of Mount Sinai, and this is a visit of Israel. Uh, this word is is lo loaded in the Hebrew language, pakad, uh, and uh, several things happen, but uh, and good things happen to God's elect. Uh, when the Lord draws near in His visit, He makes a distinction. Uh, between his elect and non-elect, and he greatly helps uh, those who seek him. Uh, and, and so we would expect good things for those who love the Lord. Now, Jehovah has already proven himself to be the gracious and the very powerful and faithful God. Uh, Israel, of course, uh, witnessed Jehovah devastating, completely devastating Egypt and all its false gods and uh, knows of the terms of the, of the redemption in the blood uh, and then also Israel did uh, witness Jehovah, as he says in this passage beautifully, uh, carrying them as on um, eagle's wings, carrying them through the wilderness, a, a, a very uh, difficult journey. Uh, even an expert guide would be at a loss how to guide two and a half million people circuitously to uh, Horeb uh, safely in the midst of enemies, in the midst, in the midst of uh, natural challenges, uh, wilderness challenges. So he's already proven himself to be uh, an expert shepherd king. And, um, and that's why, uh, <clears throat> again, uh, the people are not making a covenant with an unknown God. Uh, the people are making a covenant with a God that their fathers had spoken to them about and a God that they, himself, that they themselves have learned from. Uh, and, and so it's a rational it's a rational decision, and the covenant is put in, in, in uh, logical and uh, 
rational terms, word, form. Uh, so it's a, it's a preceptual offer. Um, and this uh, covenant has terms, and that's the other feature. The feature is not only is, uh, that you have a mediator, and it's a, that the Jehovah graciously initiates it, but he also offers terms. Every covenant has terms. And these are the terms. Israel simply here is to obey uh, Jehovah's voice. Um, later when there will be added prophecy, this means that uh, they, will, uh, they are to believe Jehovah's uh, messengers uh, in, in the prophets. And by obey is, is really, it really means believing the promises as well as not just doing, but receiving, uh, believing, hearing, and respecting God for his word, saying amen. So you are uh, believing the promises, uh, re- you know, obeying his laws, repenting when things go wrong. That's what's implied there. That's a term of the covenant. Again, it, it holds for today as well. You have faith, you have repentance, and you have new obedience. And that works over and over and over in the Christian life. We persevere in faith and repentance and new obedience and new conformity to God's ways all the way through, and that's what's called the perseverance of the saints. It's a little bit different from the mere preservation of the saints. Yes, God will keep us, but that's God's, that's God's doing. Our doing is to persevere in the grace granted us in Christ by believing and by turning in repentance and by walking in new obedience. So Israel is to keep Jehovah's covenants uh, and the terms uh, are forthcoming in the 20th chapter and beyond. So there are terms and that's another feature of a covenant. Um, by the way, we must say here that Jehovah is not pleased merely with external sacrifices or form of religion. He wants us to believe. He, he is a spirit and he's looking to the heart and intentions, our body gestures. <laughs> he, he knows our, our cogitations, the way we arrive at things, our reasonings. He helps our reason. He enlightens our reasonings. Uh, he informs our conscience. Our conscience is open to God. It's not our own conscience because it's an open system. Conscience is where God meets us. All right? Uh, but with uh, he's interested in faith, and he's interested in heart obedience. Uh, let me just say that and go on. The, another feature here is uh, Jehovah declares the benefits. It's not all duty. It's not all, you know, here the Lord will speak, and then, okay, okay, we'll do it. No, but we have these we have these benefits that far, far outweigh um, anything by way of equity that we may have merited by our believing or our obeying. The rewards of the just uh, are incomparably better because God has given them to us and are hardly proportional at all to anything we do, although there is somehow a kind of equity of proportionality to what God does and his judgments, but declare, the Jehovah declares then the benefits of his of his covenant. And nation, nationally, the the benefit is this: that Israel is to be Jehovah's sagula, and the sagula means his. It's a special word. It means a a, a prize possession, a treasure. And this treasure distinguishes Israel, his covenant people, from all the nations of the world. Even though the world is all his, Israel will be his sagula. And no other nation will have that status. And why is that? 
Well, I don't know. And if you can figure that out, please inform me. Because God's will is inscrutable and his way is beyond finding out. But this is what he's chosen to do. And every Jew still thinks, well, he knew for certain that they were God's chosen people of old. And they still think that uh, they are God's chosen people. And I don't know why so many Christians in the New Testament fight that concept of being chosen. I mean, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to, to, to conceive of God loving us so much as to make a distinction, a particular distinction between those that are in Christ and those that are not. Anyway, this, uh, this, prized pota- uh, this prized possession will be a kingdom of priests. Uh, and what do priests do? They offer sacrifices. Uh, we could have a whole, uh, a whole separate sermon on that and more. Uh, but they are to be mediators themselves of sorts, uh, sending forth petitions, uh, sending forth... Uh, uh, priests are also keepers of knowledge and instruction. They are to lead the way. But most important of all, priests are to, since they relate to God, they are to be holy, they are to be consecrated, they are to be distinct. And they are to show forth the marks of the one God that they serve. And so this the whole nation, a kingdom of priests, is to be a holy nation. They are not only distinguished by way of their covenant, but they are truly separate because of God, uh, because they are with God. And when they are, when they are with God, they are not with the world. Uh, their hearts are God's, not the world's. Uh, and they are to be walking uprightly before Jehovah God. Now, my friends, uh, some theologians today would would uh, entertain speculatively whether Israel should have declined this, this covenant. I, I've I've heard I've heard such speech, and they say they say this way. We know the Abraham covenant was all of grace. There was no law, and and the the, the blessings were vast. Uh, there was a promised seed to come through Abraham. All the nations would be blessed, uh, and uh, Abraham was promised land. So why, why even go into this? Because look, look at the, the terms of the Mount Sinai covenant seem to be more strict. They seem to be more strict. And of course, the initiation of it there on Mount Sinai is very frightening. The Lord didn't act that way in the covenant with Abraham. He certainly didn't manifest himself to Moses uh, as something absolutely frightful. He did manifest himself in the, in the bush as something holy. Uh, Moses had to take off his sandals. It was holy ground. But, but to decline this covenant because of its, its greater precision of law and definition of holiness is not a wise move at all because the default is to belong to Egypt, Pharaoh, uh, and uh, representing, of course, the world. Representing, of course, in Scripture, even in the staff uh, uh, of Pharaoh, the serpent. <laughs> it represents Satan, false gods, the land of death that was left behind, devastated. And there's no turning back, and all is wilderness besides God. And so, my friends, Israel is prompted in every way. They must go forward regardless of how awesome this, uh, this presentation of God is. Now, my friends, I think it was Dr. Elder Thomas who just prayed this, uh, this evening that uh, for God to reveal and thanking him that he reveals his covenant. And, and God will do that, he says, to those who fear him. That is to say, 
he will not only reveal his covenant uh, quite literally in letters of stone or uh, on ink on paper, uh, but he will reveal its true understanding and its meaning to those who fear him. Now that's the difference, my friends, between those who handle the scriptures properly, not only on, on Mount Sinai, but all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. Those who uh, rightly divide the word of God and those who do not. If you understand the covenant rightly, it's because the Lord has given you the fear of Isaac and he has circumcised your heart and you are now compatible with the law of God because your heart is one of flesh, not stone. And in fact, in, in the Christian epoch, you know, the spirit uh, has written the law of God in your heart and your heart is in sympathy with this and perfect love uh, casts out fear. So he will re reveal his covenant to those who fear him and to his redeemed people. And so we are to study all that God has for us in his covenant of grace. And this study here at Mount Sinai is extremely important. The second point here is not only that Jehovah offers his covenant of grace to his people as a nation. We've seen the features of, the, of that covenant now. Jehovah's covenant must be freely accepted. Again, it's a, it's a spiritual covenant. It, 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 there's no uh, entering into this covenant on a forced basis. Uh, you know, grin and bear it. I, I guess I'll go with Jehovah. No. Uh, God has uh, condescended and has come to visit his people uh, on earth. And it's offered by the mouth of God and is spoken to, to Moses. Uh, and he speaks uh, at the assembly of the elders, uh, rule, the rulers representing the whole nation. We see this again in the close of Matthew. Matthew's gospel, how important uh, the rulers and their decisions about, about Christ determine the destiny of the nation. Again, that's a covenantal and representative government. Uh, the, the severest form, the most, uh, the, the, the most uh, acute form of, of the covenant representation is the head of the covenant Christ representing the whole nation. That's what we mean by covenant theology. That's what we mean by covenant theology. It's representational. And we are no longer before God in Adam as our head, but we are as Christians under uh, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, as believers. Jehovah's covenant must be freely accepted, affirming Jehovah's gracious offer. It's, it's a good, uh, it's a righteous, it's a holy, it's a right and just offering. And all the elders, of course, affirm it. Now, if you don't see Presbyterianism in this, I, I, I don't know what, I, I, can't, I can't convince of any further. Presbyterianism uh, is the form of religion uh, that is taught in Scripture. Uh, other forms have been uh, used mostly out of expediency or deprivation. But when the Lord, uh, when, the, when, the church has the, when the church has the option and the, uh, the resources to have elders ruled by elders, we, we should certainly organize uh, God's people along these lines. So the, the elders affirm the covenant, covenant. Having affirmed the covenant, the nation and all of the peoples have affirmed it with it. Again, we see that feature in covenant baptism. When we bring a child into the, uh, the baptismal vows, the parents affirm it. Why? They're the federal head uh, of the child in the family, and they represent the faith of the child. And so we see household baptisms in the book of of Acts and all that. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, I just want you to see that that's a feature of the covenant. Um, 
the elders say this, all that Jehovah has, has spoken, we will do. Now, at this point, you have to wonder uh, how sincere this is. They haven't heard all of the terms yet, but it may be that they have spoken out truly because they have seen that Jehovah means good for them. But they haven't heard all the terms of the law yet, and they haven't heard all the ceremonial law. They certainly haven't heard all the judicial law that's coming up. And nevertheless, as some commentators here will say, well, this is a bit brash. I'm not sure. I think this is an earnest. And the reason this is an earnest is at this point, I think those elders at the base of the mountain, you know what, I think they're just overwhelmed. I, I just think they're overwhelmed. And what else, what other choices do you have? Uh, the mediator Moses then ascends and he conveys the acceptance of the covenant. And so, uh, you know, the Psalms does, does, does bring out this lovely wisdom. The Psalms bring out the lovely wisdom that God, that Jehovah's people will serve him uh, freely and they will enter into covenant with him, embracing it on the day of his power. That's what the Psalm says. Your people will serve you gladly on the day of your power. Well, because, because God's, Jehovah's power is a gracious power. It's a protecting power. Uh, and it's a power that has him uh, able to deliver all of his promises uh, without fault. And, and so the, the reasons are, are stacking that you would be quite foolish, quite foolish to decline this covenant. Jehovah's covenant then must be freely accepted. The third point is that Jehovah displays what? Majestic holiness. He, he displays his own majestic holiness and power uh, in a theophany. A theophany is a, a basically a visible representation uh, of God himself who is invisible. I will say this, that the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was not God. Uh, the angel of the Lord was in the cloud and spoke from the cloud. We distinguish the angel of the covenant uh, or the messenger of the covenant from uh, the, the manifestation of a pillar over a fire. Okay, He is shrouded in that, and he appears in it, and his voice uh, is heard from it. Uh, okay, Jehovah displays his majestic holiness and power in, theon in, the in a theophacy, theophany. Now, Jehovah then will help his people to believe in him through this revelation. All revelation is a gift of God to his covenant people, and this is meant to help. He descends in the cloud, he speaks, and they, the people hear it as, as thunder, perhaps, as they did the voice of the Father from heaven in Jesus' day. Uh, Jehovah will speak to the, uh, from the cloud to Moses in the hearing of the people, so that the people don't realize, so the people uh, are convinced, look, we're not really serving Moses. No, this, this, is, this is a much bigger deal than Moses. And, 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 and woe to any minister who wants people to trust them as his followers. We don't, we don't make disciples. We make disciples of Christ. And we are your servants we minister to you. Anyway, the meaning is this. It is Jehovah and it is not Moses who is to be obeyed. Now, when you obey Moses, you should obey for the sake of the Lord. And when you obey elders and your mothers and fathers, teachers in the school, you play... Uh, when you obey the policeman on the street corner, you obey for the sake of Christ, and you obey from the heart, and you obey sincerely. All right, Jehovah then is manifesting himself as holy. 
and he is terrifying in his holiness. And Jehovah's majestic holiness is illustrated uh, in three ways. His elevation, which is always uh, important in the Hebrew and the Old Testament uh, as saying uh, exalted, um, and his invisibility, which my friends, think of, think of all the things you could do if you were invisible. Yeah, the Lord will do much. And since he is everywhere and he is not visible, uh, then you need to be on your watch. Um, and he is holy. And so you are not to look directly on him. Uh, later the, the scripture will explain. Uh, if, if you look upon the Lord, you will surely die. Moses himself only saw his back parts. Okay. And then finally, um, his elevation and his invisibility and his separation. There's a boundary. There's a, there's a border that people may not ascend. Even the, even the common priests uh, at this point do not ascend up. Uh, but we'll speak of that in a minute. Jehovah must be approached then on his terms. And this is part of the amen that the elders, uh, that the elders uh, accepted there in the terms of the covenant. Uh, Jehovah must be approached. Uh, there's a boundary set of how near to approach the mountain by the common people. Unlawful ascendance or, or even touch by a sinful man or even a beast uh, is punishable by death. Jehovah then uh, descends to the mountaintop and he will shroud or wrap himself in a cloud. There is no visible form. Take care that you do not make yourself uh, an idol or, or anything of any resemblance because when the, the Lord Jehovah appeared, you saw no visible form. In fact, there, there, there could be something, I'll just say it upon you, there could be nothing more nebulous than a cloud. It's amorphous. And, uh, and, and it doesn't admit light, but in this case, it... Yeah. In the theophany, distinguish in, in the pillar separating Israel from, from the uh, encroaching armies of Egypt, the cloud made for darkness. Here, the same cloud uh, makes for brightness, light, uh, unapproachable light. But the, so the people are to gather at the foot of the mountain um, and wait for the Lord's instructions, and he will descend on the third day with a trumpet blast. The trumpets uh, always... Uh, in Israel represent great progress in redemptive history, like the, tr the, the, the shofar trumpet uh, uh, under Joshua uh, announcing the entrance into the long-promised uh, Canaan land. Now, the people then must be consecrated because God is, Jehovah is holy. That is to say they are to be set apart. Consecrated means to make sacred, at least outwardly. And they must prepare for three days to meet Jehovah. This is a serious preparation because it's a, it's a very important, uh, a very pregnant moment in the life of, of Israel. They are to externally prepare by washing their garments. And uh, a lot can be said about how our, what our clothes say of us and what our clothes say to other people. Uh, and then uh, they are to be consecrated internally because uh, the commandment was to not, not to go near a woman. That is to say, Okay, this is not a time for dancing and romance, guys. Okay, uh, the, the, God wants your attention. I know your wife is very pretty, and your girlfriend is sweet too. But just leave all of that 
uh, and uh, you will you will set your hearts ready to prepare for the revelation of God. People must be consecrated. Mount Sinai theophany. This theophany inspired terror. There's lightning and thunder, an increasingly loud trumpet blast, very menacing, and the, the whole mountain quaked. It's not something you want to go up. By the way, the 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 word Sinai seems to have come from a, a very ancient Semitic uh, word meaning uh, uh, thorns. There, there were thorns, thorn bushes. And not only was it a rocky place of ascent, uh, but one slip and you might end up in a very, uh, very, very uh, uh, dangerous thicket of thorns. My son was, was camping on E-Rock and one time he slipped and he, and he, sl- he slid down a rock slide, and he was, he was okay, but he landed in a thicket of thorns. And, uh, you know, that really, that really set him back a bit on his Boy Scout trip. The mountain quaked, fire and smoke, like at the summit, like a great kiln. The Hebrew word here for kiln uh, is used about, uh, is the same word used at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the smoke ascended out of uh, the remains of Sodom and Gomorrah as a, a billowing tower uh, of smoke from a kiln. And so, of course, it's, it's talking about the destruction of anything that is not holy. That, that's the imagery. The Lord is a consuming fire, and he will consume all that is not holy. The people in the camp, they got the message. Uh, you don't need a, a very good exegete here. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to be a, a smart theologian to realize that the whole camp trembled greatly at Jehovah's powerful presence. But here we have a mediator and, uh, and a man, and then later uh, this man's brother also joins the ascent. Jehovah's mediator and the high priest here later in this chapter are al- alone are allowed to ascend. Moses who we now do see that he is a prophet. His words prove true. And he's, he's picturing himself in term, more and more in terms of a temporal king, a temporary king. So those two offices, prophet and king, and then Aaron, who is going to be the high priest. And uh, will be interceding for the nation in a very unique way. And these are the alone persons, and I would say the alone offices, <laughs> that are admitted up on the ascent. This is highly, highly typical. As the Mount Sinai is consecrated, as the people are consecrated, and the only one who ascends is the prophet, priest, high king. Of course, we know and we see Jesus in all of this, but we also see that uh, this is the very arrangement of the tabernacle services uh, to be uh, later pointed out by Jehovah and later the temple services. So all this is very orderly and it's meant to teach us the holiness of God and, and who may uh, may come before him in an acceptable manner. The priests and the people uh, are not allowed to break through, and mostly out of curiosity or uh, just, uh, you know, religious fanaticism, you might say. Uh, and this is uh, already something that God, that Jehovah has expressly prohibited, but many would break through again. So the Lord once again <coughs> commands Moses, Get down there. Go down. And let these people know that they are not to touch, not to break through, lest many, many perish. Now, this is not a God who threatens uh, without 
without intent. Uh, his, his intent is to save Israel. But if they will not abide uh, his holiness, then all that is left, my friends, is wrath. All right. Moses then is to descend and warn them not to break through again, lest many perish. The bottom line here is, is very, very consistent, very, very plain. Jehovah God is holy. No flesh may abide in his presence except by his terms. Jehovah's people must learn who he is and give him due reverence and uh, consecrate their lives as holy and service to Jehovah. All right. And also, it's important, uh, my friends, uh, the Lord is invisible and he's not going to descend upon us in the assembly in the same terrifying manner. No. Uh, in fact, his, his incarnation is very gentle, uh, coming as a baby. Uh, it's another approach altogether, isn't it? But uh, we are yet uh, not to come before Jehovah, our Lord, without heart preparation. Heart preparation and prayer. Even the wise men at the, uh, at the manger knelt before the Lord in reverence. Uh, they were careful not to be too familiar with the promised Son, uh, the Savior of the world. And this, of course, is given to us later. The lesson, the lesson still will be learned, learned even, by, even by Aaron's sons in Leviticus 10. Uh, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censure and put fire in it and laid uh, incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, he's talking to his brother, and this is the uncle of the, the deceased, you say. Uh, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Aaron knew he was right. Look, the Lord has not changed. The form of his covenant and the manner of his coming to us changes, but the Lord in his holiness, his, that's his essential nature. And not only his essential nature, uh, but every attribute of God is qualified by this. Uh, holy. He's a holy, merciful judge. He's a holy, just God. He's, he's kind He's holy in his kindness. He's holy in his patience. His wisdom is holy. His covenant is holy. So to conclude then, um, we, we, need, we, need to be, we need to be careful, uh, especially when the Lord is in our midst in a, in, a, in, a, in a peculiar way. The Lord is always in our midst. Uh, but folks, we need to distinguish between uh, uh, his ordinances and the Holy Supper and the whole in the assembly of the saints, it's a special and a holy time. And it, it would behoove all of us to prepare our hearts uh, to see that there's no wickedness in us. Uh, and that will please the Lord much. To conclude, uh, Jehovah graciously covenants with his nation, uh, Israel, by means of his appointed mediator, high priest. Uh, Jehovah promises continued help. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and an exalted status, a high status to his redeemed nation. And they will become his own possession, a nation of priests, but they must first sanctify Jehovah as the most holy God uh, over all, and that holy God is in their midst. Jehovah does not change. Uh, the lessons here at Sinai are still applicable to us in every way, especially at worship. Walk in the statutes, that's how you yield God, 
your uh, reasonable service of worship day by day in the world, but in his presence in the uh, in 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 uh, in the uh, gathered con- uh, congregation, um, especially obey his voice, always with reverence, always in love, always be in awe of our God. Now Jesus, the mediator, the high priest of the new covenant, he is the one that uh, intercedes uh, before the Lord on our behalf, and he will succeed because he has the divine will. He is himself divine. He knows the will of the Father. He knows how to guide us in, in a manner, and he also knows our frame. He's familiar with all our pains. He's familiar with temptation as a man at the right hand of, the, of God the Father in heaven. And so uh, he is, he is uh, the more perfect, and he is the, the only mediator, really, that will avail. And so we must only approach God through this mediator. No other terms are acceptable to God. We cannot come on our own merits. We must not pray for uh, help from anybody else in heaven. There's no guarantee that anybody in heaven will hear it. Uh, But certainly nobody else in heaven has the power nor the perfect will to help us as Jesus and the perfect intent. Moses wants to lead his nation, uh, God's nation, into Canaan. And Jesus wants to redeem. He wants to lead God's people. And so you can thank him and you can praise him. And as you, as you think of a model as how, how Jesus is doing this, just think of how Moses is doing this uh, as a mediator on Mount Sinai. Again, if you haven't praised God for his holiness, this is a, a very important exercise. Uh, you will never, ever love his law unless you love the holy God. You'll never love any of his commandments unless you see that he is good, that he's far, far removed from evil, and that his intentions are pure and, and righteous altogether. A spotlessly pure God. And we must love him for that. And then when we love him for all, he's so distinctly apart from any other thing. He's not a creature at all. When you love him for who he is in that way, you will begin to love his ways. And those ways are expressed in the commandments. So to serve Jehovah then in the spirit of holiness in all circumstances, this is a very reasonable service for creatures uh, made in his image originally, fallen in Adam, but then renewed in his image by the regeneration. I think I've spoken to any uh, number of other uh, warnings already. The gospel is believe on this mediator, the Lord Jesus. He is the one, he is the, the not the type, but the true Passover lamb that died for your sins, and his blood is, a, is there for you uh, and is the payment for your life so that you don't have to die, you don't have to perish in hell. Uh, the Lord has given us his Christ, Jesus, and he has suffered a hell for you already if you will believe him and if you will give him the praise and gratitude and serve him and obey and listen to him. He's, he is that one that goes to the Father descends to us, hears our prayers, and carries them back in his spirit to the Father. Now praise God then for all of the revelation of his holiness as he's presented us here on Mount Sinai. Let's play. Let's pray. Now, now Lord, we, we are amazed that you would do such a thing here. Uh, it's amazing that you judged Egypt the way you did uh, through ten plagues. It's amazing that you spared 
the house of Jacob by the Passover lamb. It's amazing. You defended Israel from some such great enemies as as Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It's it's it, it's amazing that you made a way for them by the sea, parting the waters, and then all the way in the wilderness, protecting them from thirst and heat, granting them food, and uh, defending them against Amalek. All these are amazing, but now the appearance of God is all the more amazing. And we pray, Lord, that uh, this passage would, would stick with us, that we would return uh, to it in our minds and in our imaginations, uh, for you, Lord, are to be revered, and you are to, re- to be re- believed for every word that you give us. We do not see you in these theophanies today, but we, we hear you and we read of you in your word, and so we pray that we would have the grace to believe your word, and so therefore glean all the goodness of what you showed your Israel by way of your covenant of grace at Sinai. Uh, Lord, Help us to sanctify you in our hearts always. And Lord, we pray that you would sanctify your church, that our meetings in Christ would be equitable and that they, they would be pleasing in your sight. And may the Lord, again, rejoice over his nation as his own prized possession. We thank you, Lord, for such love through Jesus. Amen.